0: Mark chapter 4, verse 35. It says, as as, uh, evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking in the boat. And it began to fill with water. Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a, a great calm. And then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? After all you've been through with me, all that you've seen, do you still have no faith? And it seems in my recollection, and and a lot of the people I know, that even as Christians we live our life like our boat is sinking. We're in panic mode almost all the time. You know what I'm talking about? Some days it's smooth sailing, but those other days you're just a bailing. What are we going to do? <laughs> the water's up to your knees and, and the wind is blowing you and rustling your hair and you're just all frazzled and, you, and you're like, Jesus! And you're calling out and you're screaming to Jesus, somebody's got to help. And that's not really the picture that Jesus... <laughs> Wants, the way Jesus wants us to live. Because the wind and the waves is going to come at us all. He told us in the parable about the building your house on the shifting sand or on the solid rock. He said, once you build your house, the wind and the waves are going to beat against your house. It's just coming. But are you going to live your life in panic mode? Are you just going to bail your whole life? Just do everything that you can in the natural before you finally call on the name of Jesus. But Jesus had told them before they started what? We're going to the other side. And Jesus has told you clearly. Told me clearly. Although we get riled up and, he's, and every new day we face a new challenge. We act like it's something just, oh, this is going to be the one that's going to sink me. And like I said last week, you know, we've been saying that since the third grade and we're still here, you know, right? This is the one that's going to bring me under. Oh, I won't be able to pay the bills for sure after this, you know, my car, this or that my job, my kids, but Jesus has already told us that we are going to go across to the other side and that ought to settle us a little bit. Don't you think? Because we we all say as Christians, you know, if God's word says it, that settles it. (laughs) But we bail. And, And we're fighting all our battles pretty much in our own strength. If you look at the average Christian life, we're bailing more than we're praying, more than we're believing the word of God. Now, see, Jesus was not panicked by the situation. In fact, the boat is filling with water, and he's in the back with his head on a pillow, sleeping. I'm talking cool hand Luke. I mean, he's not worried. And you know what? Some of us need to get a little of that sleeping faith. I mean, if you ain't got nothing good to say, if you're just going to be bailing and screaming the, through the whole ordeal, won't you just go to sleep? I mean, that's, that's it takes more faith for you to go to sleep and sit up and rehearse your problems all day long. It might be the best thing that some of us can do. If we can't think of anything good to say and the Word of God is not welling up in us and there's no faith in our life right now, just go to bed. <laughs> And not make things worse. Because the more you open your mouth and rehearse your problems, the more you're opening yourself up to worse problems. (coughs) Excuse me. You remember several Sundays ago, I was hoping Jennifer was going to be here to share a little bit of her testimony. The the woman who uh, had a a stroke here in, in Sunday service. It was after the service, and we'd prayed for folks, and there was still the whole crowd was pretty much still here milling around, and and I saw her. They're holding on to her, trying to get her to the to the car or something, and walking with her, and she's about to fall, and they're, you know, I could see panic on their face. I went over there and, and talked to her, and she's like, you know, my heart, my heart, but I I just need to get to the car. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, this is a serious situation, and and I, I yelled up to Rick, he was in the sound booth. I said, call nine one one. And so he called 911. You got to do what you got to do in the natural. I'm not saying you don't respond in the natural. I'm not saying you just, oh, well, you know, I owe this bill, but I'm not going to pay it. Jesus is going to pay it for me. No, you got to go to work. You know, you got to do what you got to do in the natural. And so we did. We called 911. I said, let's, let's get her sit, sat down so she can rest. But then immediately, what do we do, Miss Brennan? We started praying for her. People gathered around. In fact, so many people gathered around and started praying for her and, and praying for peace because she was she was in panic mode and we were trying to bring her peace. So many people was gathered around. I was like, we probably need to spread out. She can't even get any air. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, she survived. They got her to the hospital. She stayed in the hospital a couple of days. They tried to figure out what it was. They Then they come up with the idea that she has a hole in her heart. And so we've been praying about that and praying for her. Um, and just faith has risen up in that young lady. You know, I think she's recently saved, if I'm not mistaken. you have to ask her about her own testimony, but her and her husband uh, uh just excited about Jesus. You can see it on their faces. That's why I'm surprised she's not here tonight, because they've been coming on, on Wednesdays and Sundays. And uh, we've been praying about that hole in her heart thing, and she went to the doctor the other day. I was going to get her to come up and tell the testimony. And she said they went in to look at it, and they said it's gone. Mm-hmm. The hole is gone in her heart. And so God and, and and she said that the doctor said the great physician must have took care of this one. That's what the doctor said. That's awesome. So we did what we knew to do in the natural, but we didn't forget to pray. Sometimes in the when you got an emergency situation going on, you, you get so frustrated. What's the first thing that's gonna come out of you? Frustrated is that a word? No, frustrated. Flustered. We got frustrated and we were so we were so upset we were frustrated. <clears throat> you know, if if I say a wrong word, I'll just make it a word. No <laughs> But most people they only see Things in the natural. And they only rehearse and talk about the things that they see in the natural. And as Christians, what? We're supposed to be spirit-led. We're supposed to see things. We're supposed to. We can't see directly into the spirit realm. We see through a glass darkly right now. But we're supposed to have the spirit of God on the inside of us. We're supposed to be spiritually minded. Because to be spiritually minded is to have life and peace but to be carnally minded is death and so every day we got a decision are we going to respond spiritually to to the trials and the tribulations and the wind and the waves and the storms that's going to come to our lives how are we going to be different as christians don't aren't we more than overcomers in him who loved us or should we just face them the same way that everyone else does the uh Moses sent 12 spies into the promised land. He said, go tell me how good the land is and come back. And they came back. And you know the story. Only Joshua and Caleb said, hey, let's go get it. God says it's ours. But the other 10 came back with a bad report. "Mm, It's it's indeed a good land, but we can't never get it. And they saw themselves as grasshoppers. And they only saw what they saw in the natural In the natural, there ain't no way we're whooping them giants. And so they spoke what they saw in the natural, and they dissuaded, and they made all of God's people say, oh, yeah, yeah, well, I don't want to go in there if you don't want to go in there. You know, your doubt and unbelief will rub off on somebody else. Even though Joshua and Caleb, they stood up and said, hey, we're well able, God is with us, God promised us this. And you know, sometimes you may feel like just one or two out of a whole church or a whole city or whatever that's believing God. But don't you worry about it. You still believe God. Don't don't fall in with the crowd, the naysayers who say you can't. Because any old body can do that. You like how I changed that wordy? Jesus gets wearied by our unbelief not many things upset jesus you know he was sleeping in the back of the boat natural situations don't alarm him but he gets wearied by our unbelief there was a time when he came down from the mount of transfiguration he just spoke with Moses and Elijah, and he had Peter and James and John with him. And they come down from the mountain, and the rest of his disciples are down there gathered around trying to heal this young man who's demon-possessed. And they can't seem to do it. And so when Jesus comes up, they like, I don't know what we're going to tell Jesus, you know. They had just got back from a missionary journey where he sent them out, and they were able to heal people. They were able to cast demons out. But here they are like, I don't know, maybe, maybe Jesus has to be near us when we do it or something. I don't know, well, what did we do wrong? And here comes Jesus and they're slinking around. And Jesus comes over there in Matthew 17, 17. And what does He say? Well, you guys tried. I know y'all had a good church service while I was gone. No, He said, you faithless and corrupt people. That's pretty harsh. To call your own disciples faithless and corrupt people How long must I be with you? It sounded like Jesus was upset. You don't hear that very often. It it doesn't seem like to me that Jesus is just, you know, led around by his emotions all the time. But he said, "How, how long must I be around this unbelief? How long must I put up with you? In other words, he might be saying, what do I got to do to get you to trust me? What do I have to do? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy and it left him. From that moment, the boy was well. And afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus privately, why couldn't we cast out the demon?" You don't have enough faith. Say faith. faith. You don't have enough faith. Jesus told him, I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed. In one of our recent uh, small group meetings, we w- were at Rick and Anita's house Uh Leadership training, we were having the meetings, and she has some mustard seed, and she gave us all one it's like a like a grain of sand it's a speck, and it, we, I was holding mine between my fingers, and I looked and it didn't rolled out between my the grooves in my finger or something I mean they're so small you almost cannot hold on to it. but I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move." From here to there. And it would move. And nothing would be impossible. What does nothing mean? No thing. No thing would be impossible. If you had faith. Faith. Is what we need. If we're going to be overcomers. Now for the most part the churches today are just all operating in the natural they just operate by what they can do whatever money comes in that's that's the way it's going to be you know when they go minister they knock on doors or if they go out witnessing they're not they're not they're not asking to be filled with the holy spirit they're not asking for the gifts of this ho- holy spirit oh that's spooky and and they they shy away from the Word of God and the gifts and the promises of God, and they're not believing for anything bigger than what they can see with their natural eye. Uh, if they put a goal together, well, I think if we had 100 people this, this year, maybe next year, we could have 102, you know. <clears throat> they're only going to believe as far as they think that they're capable of doing it. They're not basing anything on what God is capable of. They're not reaching out with any faith. And I got to be honest, the reason I'm preaching this message is because I was talking with God this morning, I didn't know what I was going to preach until this morning, and God began to say, hey, I think you guys need to get back on the word of faith. You guys need to start believing bigger than you're believing. You've been beat down by some things and you're starting to just try to just hold on and you're not believing me the way you ought to believe me. And you need to go back to the principles of faith again. So here we are. Faith is important. We want God results, not man results. Now Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us what faith is. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. When is faith? Now. Now faith is. You could almost say it's an adjective to faith. Now faith. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Because faith has to be right now. You can't say, well, I'll have faith for it tomorrow. No, it's faith is now. You got to believe now. Now faith is the substance of things Hoped for. That's really hard to grasp. I mean, you really have to wrap your mind around that. You're hoping for something, and it hadn't got here yet, but you already have substance in your hand. It's the substance of things hoped for, it is believing God's word so intensely that you can rejoice even before you physically receive the promise. You can, now faith, you, now faith is rejoicing on this side before you even get the promise. Because you, you are so confident, that your hope, your biblical hope, your confident expectation in God's word, because I prayed it and believed it, and I have already received it, even though I hadn't received it yet. I have the substance of it in my hands. It's in my heart. I have already received it by faith. I have thanked God and now I'm just going to thank him until it actually physically arrives, but I have already received it by faith because I know it's impossible for God to lie. <clears throat> it's taken hold in the spiritual realm and believe in the promise before it's ever physically visible. It's a it's a substance of spiritual belief. That makes it a reality in your life. Before you receive the promise. It's taken from tomorrow. And bringing it to, into the now faith. Faith. Augustine said. Is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith. Is to see what we believe. Augustine says. Faith is to believe what we do not see. And the reward of faith. Is to see what we see what we believe. If you don't have faith, you're never going to see it. You're never going to see it. And the reward of faith is to see what we believe. In other words, faith is going to be what reaches out and grabs hold of that promise of God and brings it into your reality. It's by faith. By faith. Couldn't we go to Hebrews 11 right now and say, By faith. They they received their children back to life again. By faith they subdued kingdoms. By faith. All the heroes of, of faith. It was by faith. That all the men and women heroes of the Bible did what they did. It was because they believed God. It was by faith that David slew Goliath. It was by faith that Nehemiah was able to finish the wall. They couldn't be talked out of the Word of God in their life. It was by faith that they were able to become martyrs for Jesus Christ when they could have just recanted their faith. But no, faith wouldn't do that. Faith stood strong and said, I believe in the face, whether you kill me or not. It was by faith that Abraham... Abraham received his son back to life again. Because he knew God was able to raise him, even if he plunged a knife into his son Isaac. And so in a figure it says he had already received Isaac back to life when he was about to kill him. Because he knew God had already promised that his by his son it would be an heir. That's faith. Faith reaches out and receives what's not here yet. Romans 4.17 says, even God who quickens the dead calls those things which be not as though they were. This is not some name it and claim it thing. God calls those things which be not as though they were. It says in Hebrews 11.3 By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. How did the Universe, get here. God spoke it. It was framed by the Word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which are not made of things which are visible. In other words, God created something from nothing. He spoke it into existence. There was nothing there, and He spoke what He saw, and He received it. He called those things which be not as though they were. His faith so strong that he received what he saw by speaking it. How his calling, the way you see him, worked out for you. In our lives, well, yeah, you know, I believe in God to, to heal me, but I just don't see it, you know. I'm probably going to be down uh, for six months after the surgery and, you know, there. There's a good chance they're going to find this. Calling it the way you see it. Instead of speaking faith over yourself. Proverbs 18.21 says the tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. What's the consequences? Well, whatever you just said. (laughs) Because out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. What's in you is what you're going to say. And you're always going to rise to the level of what's in you. You're going to get what you say about yourself. What you believe. We pretty much get what we believe. How do we get faith then? If we don't like the results we're getting. If we don't like the fact that we know we talk too much negative stuff, that we talk about the problem more than we talk about our God and His promises. If we don't like that, how do we get faith? Romans ten seventeen. 17, so uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You know that. It's the Word of God that get, brings faith into our hearts to receive what the Word says. And that's why it's so important what we're speaking. Because what we're speaking is what we're hearing. And what we're hearing is what... Faith comes by hearing. And you're either getting faith for the negative that you're speaking or you're getting faith for God's promises. You're speaking something. And you're hearing it and it's building your faith, whether it be in the positive or the negative. And I can tell you, that's a double minded man that's speaking negative out of one side of his mouth and speaking faith in the other. And the Bible says, as a double minded man, let that man not think he shall receive anything of the Lord. God is only pleased by faith. God responds, He brings His word to pass based on faith. What words are we speaking? Are we rehearsing our problems over and over? Are we speaking God's solution till faith rises and grabs hold of the promise of God and makes it a substance of those things that we're hoping for? God responds to our faith. Now where is our faith? Where should we place our faith? Well, only the Creator's words carry creative power. Only God could speak the universe into existence. We're not God. We don't jump up and say, I want a BMW. I want to be rich. And we just repeat it and put it on our refrigerator and all of a sudden we expect that somebody to pull up with a BMW. No. We have faith in the words God has spoken. He is the Creator. It's His Word that holds the power. His Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide asunder the soul and the spirit. It will get down to what you really believe. It's His Word that we must put our faith in. Not our own words. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it as as not as the Word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which is also, uh, which also effectively works in you who believe. I'm sorry I didn't read that very well. Let me read it again. Too excited. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, The Word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. See, the Word of God will work in you if you believe. The Word of God will work for you. That's why He sent His Word for us. He sent His Word to heal us. He sent His Word to deliver us. He sent His promises, and they're all yes and amen in Christ Jesus. He sent them to work effectively in our lives if we will believe them. In Isaiah 55, 11 says, It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will, prom- it will prosper everywhere I send it. There is power in the word of God. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The spirit alone gives eternal life. And human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words, the very words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit. They are eternal and they are life. They're health to all all your flesh. The Word of God Is what we've got to put our trust in. My words at best, you know, not based on the Word of God, what I think or what I suppose, that's faulty at best. You know, for a long time when I became pastor, I would go to the hospital and visit folks. And I would just go and I'd pray for them. And I was doing my best to comfort them and everything. And that was fine. And it was nice that the pastor showed up. But somewhere along the line, the Lord said, you need to bring my word into the hospital. And so I started bringing a Bible or at least I'd read it off off the phone. And I started seeing the word of God bring life into those hospital rooms. And I realized the people don't care that I'm there. It's nice that the pastor comes and all that. But that's not the whole point of this thing. It's, it's, I'm a representative of God when I come and I should bring the word of God to bring hope into the situation, to build faith into the situation that they may rise up out of that hospital bed. Belief in some other power other than God's Word is not faith. It's fallacy. You know, there's, you can buy millions of self-help books and financial gurus will tell you how to do this and do that, but what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? What What can they teach you? When you have the absolute truth of God's word. This is who you are. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't try to pursue something that you can't. That you weren't meant to obtain. Even if you did. It's not going to do you any good in the long run. This is who you are. This word is a mirror. And you see your face in it. Don't walk away from it. Stay in it. Develop it into your heart begin to speak it over your life and then you will begin to build an image on the inside of you the image of God on the inside of you then you will then you will have a bar to obtain to not just something to sink down into you will begin to rise from mere mortals didn't that what Paul said? he said you acted like mere mortals don't you know you got the spirit of the living God on the inside of you rise up into the spirit and live. And overcome. Trust me. Job 23, 12. Job lost everything. He lost his his family, his wealth, his health. He's sitting there with boils all over his body, sitting in the dust and sackcloth and ashes with a piece of broken pottery scratching the scabs off of his wounds. And he says, I have... Not departed from his commands. But I have treasured his words more than my daily food. You couldn't you could take everything from him but the word of God. It was the one thing you couldn't take from him, and he wasn't giving it up. He said, The Lord giveth, and the Lord take it away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. You can't take the Word of God from me. And in Job 42.10, it says the Lord gave him back double for everything he had lost. And they estimate that the, that, that the years, uh, uh, the time that he was in his distress after he lost everything and his three friends was trying to tell him it was his fault and, and, and this agony he was going through both mentally, physically, spiritually, in every realm, the devil was trying to, to steal the word of God from Job. And he would not let go of it. But they say it was, it was a, we think of his whole life as ruined. But they say really it was a nine month period. And after that, he got another wife and he had more children. Not that he didn't miss, miss the other children, I'm sure. But... But, you know, it says he got double everything, but then he didn't get double the children he had before. You know why? Because he didn't lose those children. They were waiting on him in heaven. He got double the cattle and double everything else, but it didn't double his children. Because he didn't lose his children. They were waiting on him in heaven. Hallelujah. Faith is trust in God's Word. You want to know what faith is? Just break it down. It's just basically just trust in God. His promises, His goodness, His faithfulness. Hadn't He shown Himself faithful and good? Don't you see His Word working in those who put their trust in Him? Faith is something we cannot ignore as Christians. We can't just live... Live a life, go to church and think we're doing God a favor. And then live as mere mortal carnal Christians, if that. And just accept what, what happens to everybody else and not fight the good fight of faith. We simply can't do it. I tell you, sometimes I go into a situation and I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be believing big to help somebody through a, a rough situation. And my flesh can rise up too. It's like, oh no, I don't even know what to say. But somebody's got to come in there and fight the good fight of faith. Sometimes I can almost hear him saying, oh, here he goes. He's just going to tell me a bunch of stuff to hype me up. No, I'm not hyping you up. I'm trying to get you so, uh, solid back on the Word of God. That's my job. I asked Pastor Vickers about that. I said, I said, Pastor, what do we do when we're praying for people and, and, and it don't look like they got any hope and it's, it's over for them? They're on life support. And they say, you know, this or that. He said, it don't matter. It don't matter. you got to believe God. You're a representative of God. you got to come in there with the Word of God. you got to bring hope. Now, it's God determines whether a person lives or dies, but you got to fight the good fight of faith. And that's true for all of us. There's no excuse for us to sit back and and just accept what has happened to me. When you know the devil has come and killed, steal, and destroyed and tried to rob from you, that you can't just sit back and receive life like those who have no hope. You have to fight the good fight of faith. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. He's called us to be warriors and champions of the faith. 1 Timothy 6.11 says, but you, Timothy, you're a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. You see, without faith, you're not going to live righteous. You're not going to have a godly life. And and faith worketh by love. And love is what gives us perseverance and gentleness. We got to have two things. Probably I would say the most powerful thing on the face of the earth and in all of the universe is the power of love. But right alongside it. If you ain't got faith in that love, you ain't got much. Faith worketh by love. And then in verse 12, he says, fight. Fight the good fight for the true faith. What does the King James just say? Fight the good fight of faith. Don't give up. When it looks bad, when it looks like you're surrounded by giants and there's walled cities and there's no hope to get in and there's no hope to overcome, fight harder. Because your God is able... To turn any situation around. Fight means you're going to have to battle for what you believe. Because the battle is in your heart. It's in your mind for the things that you believe. Are you going to believe God's word? Or are you just going to believe the situation? Are you going to be one of the ten? Or are you going to be one of the two? When things look impossible. It don't matter. Fight the good fight of faith because all things are possible to him that believes all things to him that believes not him that I hope so in a worldly sense, but to him that believes all things are possible. Ephesians four thirteen says This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's how you grow up. That's how you grow up, as you mature in your faith. You believe God more now than you did before. You don't slip back and and let the word of God slip and fall back into your old ways. You're ever moving forward. You're ever fighting. We don't run as those who beat the air. We run to win a prize. We only got one shot down here. We get one life. Somebody says, I need some rest. I'm tired. You'll get a rest in heaven. Jesus is your rest down here. Rest in Him. When the storms and the winds is blowing, put your head on the pillow and say, Jesus, let's take a nap. I know you got this. You said we're going across. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. That's what y'all got out of tonight's sermon, I said. Seriously. Seriously, some of you work so hard that you don't know what a nap feels like anymore. You're scared if you take a nap that your whole world is going to collapse on top of you. That's not walking by faith. That's being driven by the devil. There's a big difference. What it boils down to is God said it and do you really believe it? Now, I'm, I'm stepping on my own toes right here, okay? I'm not saying that any of us have arrived at this. All these promises, it like, it's like overwhelming. And then we see things that don't happen. and it, it, it shakes our faith. We wonder why. But it's not ours to question why. God gets the final decision. It's ours to fight. It's ours to claim the promises and stand on His Word. Faith stands when a thousand falls by your side and ten thousand at your right hand. But faith stands. Faith stands when the whole nation of Israel says, let's go back. And you say, let's go in. Let's take this land. Don't care what they say don't care if they laugh at you, want to kill you. You stand it. Martin Luther said, God our Father has made all things depend on faith. So that whoever has faith will have everything. And whoever does not have faith will have nothing. You can't even get saved without faith. Without faith, you're going to hell. You got nothing. You're saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. You had to muster up enough faith to believe that Jesus died on the cross and the the Father raised Him from the dead. You had to muster enough humility and faith to repent of your sins and receive the gift of salvation. And when your heart hooked up with the truth of God's Word, then you reached out and, and took the substance of salvation. You're not there yet. You're not in heaven yet, but yet you got the substance, don't you? Can somebody take your salvation away? Can I come over here and argue out of your salvation? No, you got the substance of the things hoped for. You know you've reached out hold of it, and faith pulled it into your heart. You reached out and the, the, into the spiritual world and pulled the Holy Spirit up into your life. By faith. Now I'll close with this. Faith stops Jesus in his tracks. Turn to Luke 18.35. I'll show you what I mean. Luke 18.35. Faith stops Jesus in his tracks. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind beggar was sitting beside the road. When he heard the noise of a crowd going past, he asked what was happening. And they told him Jesus the Nazarene was going by. So he began shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What does he mean by calling him son of David? Well, even though this man is blind, somebody has told him the scriptures. You see, because the son of David was the one prophesied to be the Messiah and what this blind man is doing is standing over there in the gutter yelling Jesus I believe you're the Messiah have mercy on me by faith he is calling Jesus the Messiah and what do the people do when uh Jesus they said be quiet. And that's what people are going to try to do to you when you make a statement of faith. I'm believing I'm healed. Oh, you're just talking that Christianese stuff. No, I'm calling those things which be not as though they were. I'm bringing the substance into my life. I'm bringing the, the healing scriptures into my life. But they said, be quiet, the people in the front yelled at him. But he only shouted the louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus heard him, Jesus stopped in his tracks. I'm telling you, you're going to get Jesus' attention when you speak in faith. Jesus would keep on walking past if you're talking just like everybody else. I mean, he was in a parade of folks. I'm sure there's a whole lot of people saying a whole lot. But Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And Jesus said, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. And as the man came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What if Jesus came to you tonight and said, what do you want me to do for you? That's a broad question right there knowing that Jesus can do anything he wants to. And Jesus is basically telling you, what do you want me to do for you? Do you have a heart of faith that will cry out when everybody else ain't paying attention? What do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see. And Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. See, faith mixed with the Word of God, Jesus, is going to produce. It's going to produce. He sent His Word to heal us. He said, my Word shall not come back void. All this blind man had to do is have enough faith to declare a thing. And ask Jesus by faith. He said, all right, your faith has healed you instantly. The man could see, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. And you know what? We need more testimonies in the church. We need more testimonies like Jennifer. We need more people standing up and believing. We need to believe as a church that, you know, the resources that we need to get the building that we need is coming. The right building is going to come open for us. We need to believe for the harvest of souls for DeSoto County that we're gonna we're gonna do everything that God has for us. We look at that and we say, Oh, that's that's giants over there. That's that's a giant vision. That's too big for us. That he's biting off more than we can chew. That's the ten spies talking. But but Caleb and Joshua say we're well able. We're well able because God is with us. If God, if God says it, that settles it. We are well able, and we got to be, start believing bigger than we have. And I've let we've we've pre, we've preached a lot of stuff, and it seemed like I may have let faith slip a little bit. And I think the Lord corrected me this morning, so I'm going to preach it again next Wednesday, and we're going to begin to build our faith. And you big brothers and sisters here to come on Wednesday nights. You're going to begin to speak in faith. You're going to begin to see miracles and wonders and signs happening in your life, and it's going to encourage the other people. And you're going to be, you're going to uh, encourage the other people, not name and, and claim it, but believe it and receive it. And that's all I got to say about that. I believe everybody here is born again. You've given your heart to Jesus, and you want to please Him. And you want to do see miracles. You want to be bold women and men of faith. You want to see it all come to pass in your life. You want to be, but by, by the time it's through, you want to see your name written in Hebrews chapter eleven. Kirsty by faith took the Dillards. In DeSoto County. Yeah. Yeah. But it was all by faith. Yeah, and see, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Some of us don't crack our Bibles anymore, and that's why our faith has slipped. Because we're not speaking the Word of God. What we need to do is we need to get, every time a situation arises, really we don't need to wait till a situation arises. We need to have the Word already in our heart. But if we're already behind the eight ball, then we need to start Uh, digging into the Word of God and planting the Word of God in our hearts so when the devil speaks, we speak the Word of God. Because when the devil spoke to Jesus, it is written, and he was twisting the Scriptures, Jesus said, It is also written, buddy. And he ran him clean out. He had no place in Jesus. And that's the way it will be in our life. We need to know what the Word of God says for every situation. Every time the devil rears his ugly head in a certain situation, you say, Whoa, wait a minute. My God says this and we speak words of faith and we stop rehearsing what he's saying. He's that. That's the only power he has over us is to get us to, to be our own worst enemy and speak against our own lives. We've got to speak what God says, but to speak what God says, we've got to know what God says. So you've got to get into the word of God for yourself. And you've got to plant it in your heart so that out of the abundance of your heart. Your mouth will speak the word of God and you will be an overcomer. And you will see miracles, signs, and wonders. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's word.